Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good. Shotgun, there's the snap, it's so high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line. It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson. At the goal line, 20 seconds left. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Full Press Coverage Patriots podcast. This is not live. We are actually pre-recording this. Generally, you hear us live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, but uh, tonight we are recording here on a Thursday evening, and uh, it'll be available uh, out there for you guys all weekend and uh, to get you prepared for uh, this upcoming game against the Titans. But without further ado, I am like to introduce myself. I am Ian Glendon. I am one of your hosts for the Full Press Patriots podcast, and I am joined, as always, Sorry. Hold on. Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way, and it is Shotgun, there's the snap, it's so high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line. It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson. At the goal line, 20 seconds left. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Full Press Coverage Patriots Podcast. I am Ian Glendon. I am one of your co-hosts and I am joined, as always, by the Full Press Coverage Patriots Managing Editor. His name is Mike DeBate. Hello, Mike. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Great to be back talking Patriots football on a Thursday night, a little bit off schedule, but uh, that's okay. We take no days off over here, so we're going to keep going and we're going to keep bringing it to you. And uh, my friend, the Patriots sit at 7-2 atop the AFC East, only one game back of the AFC lead. And after all the prognostications of doom to start the season, it looks like we're pretty much right where we expected to be at this time of year. <sighs> yeah, you know, wake wake me up when uh, when it's something different because I mean this is this is just par for the course for the Patriots. It's uh, we're sitting in the middle of November or just about the no- middle of November, and um, yeah, they're seven and two, like you said, and uh, that's that's been a record they've had uh, for a majority of the last several years. So. You know, again, this this goes back to to the week three blues that everyone was suffering. The uh, Patriots' demise. The the dynasty was over. There was infighting. Belichick had, hated Brady. Brady hated Belichick. So on and so forth. And here we are again. And we're about uh, I'd say about two weeks away from uh, the Patriots being the uh, unanimous best team in the NFL, as they usually become towards excuse me towards the end of November. Because right now, you know, you got a couple teams ahead of them, but 
And I would personally say probably that the Saints, and you know, I gave a little, I tweeted out a little ranking of my own this week, and I, I, I put the Saints there at the top. Um, but the uh, the Patriots are uh, hot on their tails, and I think this is a, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks we'll find out, and they could be sitting pretty at that in that top spot, and uh, you know, who knows, a matter of time, because all they need is to share that same record with the Chiefs, and uh, Chiefs got a couple hard games coming up, so the Patriots, you know, they're doing what they're doing, and uh, you know, after after Sunday, big win over the, uh, you know, the greatest football player of all time, you know, the guy who can do no wrong and carries uh, entire teams on his back uh, to the divisional round sometimes, um, Patriots beat him. And, uh, you know, I think it was a good game. And uh, we, sh- we certainly uh, settled the uh, quote-unquote GOAT debate. Um, and I say that with all the sarcasm in the world because... Oh, of course. <laughs> and anyone... Definitely intended there. Nobody could... No, no. Well, I mean... Anyone who actually believed that there was any sort of legitimate stakes on the line when it comes to the greatest of, uh, for, for a number of reasons, uh, it's just outlandish, it's absurd, oh man, you know what, I dropped the ball. This would be a perfect time for a Jackie Child Jackie drop because Child. I know it always happens. Outrageous. Yeah, outrageous. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, and we're... You know, I, w- I was thinking as we were planning the show that I was going to pace myself a little bit, kind of, you know, ease into this. But you know what? We're just going to jump into it because all week, all week, it was Rager, uh, Ragers, Rogers versus Brady. All right? This was the Battle of the Goats, which, again, how he's even in that discussion is beyond me, but it is, you know, 20 years from Outrageous, now. Outrageous, egregious, yes. preposterous. Hold See, on. who need- <laughs> Who needs the Jackie Child drop when you got Mike DeBay? You, you, you got me on the other end of the field. <laughs> of course, of course. Of course, it's all no, good. Like, you're like, you're like the, uh, the two, 2010 version of Billy West over there. And again, that's <laughs> that's the second time I've made reference to Billy West, and I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure that I, 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 I lost about half our audience. So, um, but yeah, for those of you, sure. yeah, for those of you. He, for those of you who know who Billy West is, know that that was uh, the utmost of compliments towards uh, my partner over there on the other end there because uh, he does some pretty great impressions. But <clears throat> we're getting sidetracked. Let's stay on point here because we are talking about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, you know, the guy who throws the prettiest ball of all time. Okay, let's stop, all right? The, the game was never about deciding who was the GOAT. Uh, look, Rodgers can find himself in that discussion at some point in his career, given the age disparity. And look, he's a great quarterback. No, we're not taking him. Away. We're not saying he's a bad quarterback. But the idea that he has has somehow, uh, from not winning a Super Bowl for nearly ten years, and who has seemed to have already hit his peak, has somehow over the last several years catapulted guys like, oh, I don't know, John Elway, Joe Montana, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Drew Brees, for, for that matter, and Tom Brady to all of a sudden become the greatest quarterback to ever play this game. It's just, it's, it's outlandish, it's, it's preposterous, it's absurd, it's, it's every adjective you can think to describe just this notion that he is this guy, and you know the the problem is you know there's there there's <laughs> there's clowns out there that kind of perpetrate that that idea and and push that idea and and some of them have a platform so you know in, in that way that's that's when you get people that 
you know, will spout off nonsense, you know, and, and there's no fact checking. No, no one checks facts. You know, they'll throw out these crazy things, anything and everything to bring down <laughs> the accomplishments of Tom Brady. And, it, and, you know, look, we're not, we're not butthurt, quote unquote, butthurt Patriots fans or, or salty or anything like that, whatever you want to throw out there. No, this is just, this, this is a defiance of stupidity because we, we just, we just can't stand for it really is what it is because it, that's all, that's all it is. You're throwing out these outrageous, outrageous leaps of logic. Like, oh, you know, the, you know, we'll talk about a bunch of them today, I'm sure, because I, I know I'm fired up. I know Mike's fired up. He's just a little bit, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, <laughs> mellow than I am. Uh, but trust me, deep down, he is, he is, uh, I, I, I can, I can sense the vein popping out of his forehead right now. And uh, Oh yeah. That's, there, yeah, there's no question about it. It's there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you will hear some of it tonight. You know, I'm, I try to be a little more reserved on social media, but, uh, oh yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's some things that are brewing. Definitely. No, I see. I I let all the petty go. I mean, I I had I had conversations with a with a number of people, and look, I get it. I understand. Like this is this is my, you know, when it comes to this, what this is my biggest fault. I I can't help myself. I won't block anyone. So I consistently get dragged into these. Uh, uh, I don't even want to call them debates. Uh, let's just call them just. Dis- Discussions too too good of a word for it too. It, it's uh, interaction. Let's it's a nice way to put it. Like I get stuck into these interactions with people, you know, spouting off this nonsense that like, you know, oh, obviously you know they're the whole premise of being you know Rogers is the greatest of all time. But it's like and then you bring up things like well you know he's a really great quarterback. But when you dive into it, the things that make Tom Brady really aside from the Super Bowls and the winning. Uh, it's it's the stuff. It's the clutchness. It's the being able to beat teams when you're down and out, and being able to come through all the time in the on the biggest of stages. And I think this game, although it didn't decide anything, and I don't think it moved the barometer or whatever. Maybe I'm using that that word wrong, but it moved the uh, you know the it just moved the the needle one way or the other. It didn't do that. So whatever weight people wanted to put on this game it, that's that's not what it was it was a it was an important game don't get me wrong but when it comes to any sort of greatness and, and debate it just it didn't happen and however this was a bit of a microcosm of what each player's career really is i mean brady 6 for 6 in the fourth quarter 106 yards two touchdowns you know one throwing one one passing i mean uh one running one throwing um to put up, put up 14 points in the fourth quarter, and Rodgers, two for seven, 15 yards, uh, two drives that stalled, and uh, there you have it. That's that's the difference, and I don't want to yeah. hear about coaching. I don't want to hear about, oh, Rodgers does this more with the last switch. Okay, first of all, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Like I, I know you want to get a. It's, yeah, it's a lazy argument, and and basically saying that he does well, does more with less. I mean, come on, let's take let's take a look back at what Tom Brady has done. He had that team within an eyelash of getting to the AFC to, uh, in the AFC Championship game, trying to get to the uh, to the Super Bowl, and his number one receiver was Rache Caldwell. All right, <laughs> so I mean, you want to talk about more with less? I mean, they really always make the argument that Rodgers has basically had a bunch of turnstiles out there for his his offensive line. He's had no weapons to throw to. He basically throws and teleports himself into an area where he can make the catch and then make the reception and make the touchdown and basically do everything but walk on water and turn that water into wine. At this point in his career, 
Aaron Rodgers is at a crossroads. There's no question about it. Yes, would he benefit from better coaching? I happen to think that Mike McCarthy is a serviceable NFL coach. I don't think he's going to go down as one of the greatest in history. He's certainly not Bill Belichick. No one's comparing the two. However, to sit there and to blame McCarthy for everything that's gone on and happened to Rodgers is a very, very lazy argument. It's a disservice to uh, to McCarthy. It's really a disservice to Rodgers as well. Look, you hit the nail right on the head, my friend, when you gave that stat line from Everyone drink. Quarter. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but just That's just it. a quick sidebar, you know, uh, we brought this up the last couple of times. Every time, Mike, every, Mike, every time Mike says, hit the nail on the head, everyone drinks. So if you're out there drinking, turn those bottles up, turn those wine glasses up. And, uh, enjoy That's right, son, yeah. kick them back. <laughs> yes. but, uh, <laughs> Give me a hell yeah now. Give me a hell yeah. But uh, no, sorry, continue. Uh, no, no, you don't have to apologize. It's great. Anytime you can interject me for a cynical Steve Austin impression, my friend, go right ahead. Um, but I mean, really, there's it is a very pedestrian, very lazy argument to sit there and to blame and to blame everything else around Rogers on what had happened. Look, no one, no one forced him to that stat line in the fourth quarter. Rodgers had every opportunity just like Brady had the opportunity. One capitalized, one didn't. And, you know, I'm sorry if it doesn't meet the national narrative. I'm sorry if people are sick of seeing this guy on the national stage do it time in and time again. I'm sorry if you want to find an excuse that either he's lucky or he has the benefit of a better coach or he has a better offensive line, which I got news for you. The Patriots offensive line has been excellent this year, but there have been times where Tom Brady has been a bobblehead back in the pocket and he's had either happy feet or had to really, you know, do everything in his power to stay up right because his offensive line was getting absolutely torched. Granted, that's not the case this year. Dante Scarnecchia has restored a lot of stability to that offensive line, but there have been times in his career where Brady has not had a good offensive line. There have been times in his career where he hasn't had great reception. He hasn't had great receivers. Look, to begin this season, we were talking about Philip Dorsett as his number one option, Cordero Patterson as his number one option, who now looks like a real viable running back. <laughs> so there's a lot that's gone on with the New England Patriots this year to give the man to not give the man his just due. Again, it's it's an argument that just screams either jealousy, envy, or absolute delusion because at that point you just don't want to give the man his just due. You hate everything red, white, and blue. You hate everything Foxborough. You hate everything Massachusetts and New England and Boston, and you will fight to the death to make sure that you do not give that city, that region, that team, that quarterback one iota of credit and it absolutely drives me nuts you know it's a it's a funny thing about this whole rogers doesn't have help thing and uh you know it, it's kind of you know i'm gonna i guess i'm gonna compare it a little bit to the uh you know the secretive deflate gate scheme you know that we all know and love but um aaron rogers home and away now there's a very very distinct difference between the two quarterbacks now at home, he's 62-15-1. He seems to get plenty of help at home. And, you know, the coaching seems fine. There doesn't seem to be many issues. Uh, they seem to win just at a, at, a, at a great pace. However, you go on the road, it's 38-41. And, and uh, I believe that is what, uh, you know, just, just not too many losses behind 
Tom Brady uh, in terms of road losses, which when you think about the disparity in games played and, and obviously the, the time that Brady has played with Rodgers not playing, you know, that's a, that's a pretty impressive thing. But, you know, it, it's not only that, but his, his uh, you know, he goes from uh, touchdown interceptions, 176 and 33. Uh, again, we're not in any way diminishing how great Aaron Rodgers is. We're, we're just trying to put it in a little perspective because somehow, as great as he is, he is being overrated, which is absurd. It's, abs- it's absurd to think that Aaron Rodgers is being overrated, but he is. When it, by definition of what it is, he's being overrated because from what people speak of him, you know, this is what it is. But look, it's right here. He gets help at home. He has plenty of help at home, it seems. Away? Not so much. I guess the team just doesn't decide to travel. And the reason I brought up Deflategate was, you know, the whole idea that the Patriots, first of all, if they were concerned about that much air in a football, um, and this was some intricate scheme by some, uh, you know, OCD-obsessed uh, Tom Brady, then what happens in away games when they have zero control over the balls and, and are unable to, you know, perpetrate the scheme? It's the same idea. I mean, apples and oranges in terms of what we're actually talking about, but it's the same idea. It's impossible to believe that that is the case when the other half is different, if that makes sense. I know I'm probably, it makes sense in my head, which doesn't necessarily translate to most uh, people out there. However, the idea is if, if Brady was running this huge scheme, it doesn't make sense that he would only care about half the games. Likewise, if Rodgers wasn't getting any help, why does he only not get help in away games? And he gets plenty of help uh, at home, so it's just it's just this idea that he doesn't get help. It's just it's just it's just dumb, is what I'm trying to say, basically, because it's just a guy who, you know, maybe he just doesn't perform as well on the road, or maybe he doesn't perform as well outside of the NFC North, because again, his record against the AFC East, this this dumpster fire of a div- division that you know clearly hands the Patriots a number one seed, you know, disregard the fact that even going 6-0 and only gets you six wins, you know, where do the other six or seven come every year? You know, whatever, don't bother them with math, but Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers against the AFC East is 23-16, and and he has a 96.4 rating, which is by far one of the worst of his career, which is saying something. Again, we're not trying to downgrade him, we're just trying to put it in perspective, so Oh, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. No, that is against AFC. That is against the AFC in general. Against the AFC East, he is six and four with an 84.8 passer rating. So again, against this dumpster fire of a division, his passer rating is by far the lowest against any other division. Same with the AFC. His his numbers against the NFC, especially the NFC North, with the with the Lions, with the Vikings, with the Bears, only one of which has been any good the last several years. He owns. So, again, which, which quarterback is benefiting from his division more? I would say Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? It's, just, it's the truth. No, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I'm, I'm, trying, to keep, I'm trying to keep my cool because I, I want to, uh, you know, there's no question about it, and by no stretch in the imagination, and you've said this several times already, nobody's trying to downplay the accomplishments of Aaron Rodgers. No one's trying to downplay this guy as a, as a, as a, as a team, as a quarterback, as a leader of his own team. Uh, but simply, the fact of the matter is, is that I just think Packers fans just have one 
problem, and I just really, and I think I speak for you as well, we just want to scream one thing at all of these people, and that is... You can't handle the truth! There we go. That's what I was looking for. Jack Nicholson was sleeping, ladies and gentlemen. We had to wake him up, and we had well, to... Well, he, he, is pretty, he is pretty old, so... <laughs> I, think he, no. I think he might have thought that a Lakers game was on, and then you know, he, was, he was watching that, but we, well, we got him watch, to... You, he was yep. he was watching LeBron on defense. It just put him to sleep. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would put anybody to sleep. But uh, yeah. well, I digress. I didn't say that. I, I didn't. Hey. Nobody nobody said that. I only I only troll when it comes to the NFL. But in all <laughs> in all seriousness, that's basically what happens when people try to make arguments that just simply aren't there. Look, you know, Rogers had one great drive in this game. There's no question about it. That. 51-yard pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, it, that, was a, that was a big drive for them. It led to the 15-yard touchdown pass with Jimmy Graham. That tied the game at 17. All of a sudden, you start to see the momentum shift a little bit. And, of course, you know, Chris Collinsworth is going through the roof. He was full master. We won't get into that. Um, you know, and, of course, I think, you know, Al, Al Michaels was all excited. I mean, you know, everybody was just willing Aaron Rodgers to beat the evil Tom Brady, to beat that evil empire down and bring down the worst thing that's ever happened to the NFL in their eyes. Um, you can sense the sarcasm oh, yeah. dripping in my voice, but you know, give credit where credit is due to the Patriots defense. They, oh, yeah. you know, they, they stepped up big and they came up big in a big spot, uh, national stage. And they helped really shut down one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, say what you will about Rodgers, and yeah, we're pointing out some stats. We're having a little fun at his expense right now. But the guy is a tremendous, tremendous athlete. He's a great quarterback. No one's denying that. Where the salt in our wounds come in, and I think I speak for my esteemed colleague as well, is the fact that it's not so much the credit that Rodgers gets. It's the way they use that way of... It's the way they use Rodgers and his accomplishments to demean or belittle what yes. Tom Brady has accomplished. And that really is where the heart of the matter is. People will constantly say, oh, well, you know, he's the luckiest of all time. Well, maybe one great athlete that has not benefited from the side of luck. Oh, Every tuck rule. Every single one of them. Ever, oh, the tuck rule. Yeah, okay. Well, like, but say nothing of the fact that that was the actual rule when it was written. Whether you agree with the rule or whether you don't agree with the rule is not relevant. It's not germane to the situation, folks. Think, 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 think about this. Remember, the, the, it was a catch game, the Des Bryant play? Well, guess what? That was against Green Bay. So yeah. who, who benefited from that? Oh, the Green Bay Packers. And guess what? That should have. So, again, this, this is a one, a one call that even if it, it was wrong, went in the favor of the Patriots. It happened 17 years ago. Get, get yeah. over it. Stop. Absolutely. Right. And it's not like the, oh, of course, because the Raiders didn't have another chance to come back and yeah. win in that game. That's, <laughs> or stop that's the, the Patriots from tying that, or winning. Exactly. That's the only reason that the Patriots have any sort of success is because of the tuck rule and the leg of Adam Vinatieri. And look, there yeah. is not a bigger Adam <laughs> Vinatieri fan than the guy that's talking to you right now on the microphone. I am a huge, huge fan of Adam Vinatieri. Always have been, always will be. He'll always be number four in the Patriots as far as I'm concerned. However, to sit there and to say that those dynasties are solely responsible or that he is solely responsible for those dynasties is, again, that's a lazy argument. It just feeds in to the jealousy that people have when it comes to Brady. And it really is mind-boggling. Well, well, think, think, I'm sorry. Think, sorry, I, didn't, I just, since you're on the topic of Vinatieri, just think about 
think about the links. You, you, people claim that Vinatieri won him three Super Bowls. Now, okay, the very first Super Bowl, again, you can say the defense probably, you want to say the defense carried him. Well, the offense and the defense were both ranked sixth the entire season. So I, whatever, if the sixth-ranked defense somehow carries the sixth-ranked offense, whatever. But the second one, it's like Adam Vinatieri missed two field goals that game. Two. Thank you. He was 0 for 2 before he hit that game winner. That was also a game that Tom Brady broke the completions record, uh, uh, something that he's done twice since. But he broke the completion records in the Super Bowl in a game that they won 32-29, to in a game that Carolina repeatedly scored late in that game, and they Absolutely. had to respond, including coming back late in that game. And they'll, you know what people will point to? Well, Adam Vinatieri and uh, you know what's his face kicked the ball out of the forty oh, yards. Oh, the ball out of bounds. Yeah, yeah so it, 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 it's just it's absurd, and it's like I tweeted something the other night that uh, you know anytime the Patriots get a turnover, that was that was the that was the key moment of the game, and that's what won them the game. Um, and then I specifically tweeted about a situation where, well, Seattle turned the ball over five times to the Green Bay defense, uh, but. Aaron Rodgers didn't get a chance because his special teams player dropped the ball late in the game. And that's, that's how it's viewed, and that's exactly how it plays out every single time. It's one turnover. That's all, you know, let, let's not forget that Cordero Patterson fumbled a kickoff just a couple weeks ago. But do, do you hear about it? No, because the Patriots won. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about, like, oh, well the, fumble, well, the fumble for Aaron Rodgers, that really changed things, and that, that didn't give it. Well, no. You know what really changed things? That fumble happened, the Patriots scored, and then Aaron Rodgers got the ball and went three and out. Three plays, negative six yards in a minute and 38 seconds. And you know what happened on the very next drive? The Patriots went three plays in a minute and 19 seconds, and it was a touchdown because that was the capper to uh, the 55-yard pass to Josh Gordon. That was the backbreaker. That's what took them out of the game was Aaron Rodgers going three and out right after the Patriots went ahead, he went three and out, gave the ball right back to Tom Brady. And what did Tom Brady do? Throw a perfect pass to Josh Gordon. So anyone out there listening who, who is still crazy enough to think that he was actually throwing to Julian Edelman, and, you know, I heard that. You know, people were like, oh, he, he clearly was going to Julian Edelman, and he just, oh, no, are you kidding me? That ball went right into his hands. Oh, but wait Josh Gordon's hands. Belichick, Belichick asked him on the sidelines. He was dead yeah. nervous when he asked him about that. Didn't you know that? He asked him oh, who he was going to. And he expected him to say Josh Gordon, and Belichick didn't believe him because Belichick told Aaron Rodgers that he was the greatest and that he really wants to coach the Green Packers. <laughs> of course, you know all this, right? This is this is all documented, isn't Dude, it? You, you do you do oh, a great rock. Chris Sims impression. <laughs> <laughs> I, that might be your best one yet. Um, oh please! Oh god! I know and, and it's it's and, and this here's the other. I, thing. I don't even like, want to emulate him by accident. <laughs> oh god, no! I mean, trust me, if if you can, you know what? I'm going to stop because I. You know, we, we try to portray this as yeah, a family-friendly show. Yeah, I, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm borderline just, you know, having to, to you know, TVMA. This is like the Attitude Era of uh, the Full Press Patriots podcast right now. Any, everything and everything goes, um, <laughs> especially when it comes to Rodgers Brady. So if, if uh, some not-so-nice words happen to slip out of my mouth, I apologize. But, um, you know this guy that we're talking about, Chris Sims, and, and this is just this is exactly you know what we're talking about when it comes to this this ridiculous, just overdone celebration of everything Aaron Rodgers does. So uh, Chris Sims, a former uh, Buccaneers quarterback, 
uh, most well known for busting his spleen in the game. Um, spent, uh, you know, had a cup of coffee with the Patriots. Uh, by all accounts, I imagine he just couldn't handle whatever the workload was. Uh, he spent a little time as an assistant. But whatever the case may be, he has this ridiculous just a hatred or whatever for Tom Brady. It's, je- it's probably jealousy because Tom's just probably better at everything that he wanted to be good at, and, you know, it is what it is. But So he has this show where he brings on, I think it was Landon Collins, Giant Safety, and he asks him, you know, who, who's the, who's the you know, best quarterback? And, you know, he goes into the story about Aaron Rodgers, uh, Landon Collins, calling an audible. And because <laughs> that's all it really was. He's talking about Aaron Rodgers smiled, at the the uh, the, the uh, practice squad defensive back, and then he he changed the play, and then and, and burned him for a touchdown. And they're sitting there like, that's why he's the goat. It's like, stop, stop. That, that every quarterback should be able to do that. Let, let's stop like propping up every single thing this guy does as the greatest thing ever. And and I think that's the issue. And that's and that's what it is. And you know, it, with guys like Sims, you know, it's 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 a direct shot at Brady. I mean, the, uh, their radio show. I'm not even going to give them the free publicity. You know, not, not that it's really going <laughs> to sway the needle anyway. But you know, right in their bio, it's Aaron Rodgers is greatest of all time. And it, it's just it's <laughs> that's that's. And I think you hit that nail right on the head. And just for you sure folks out there, it doesn't home. count when I say it. It only counts. <laughs> When Mike says it, no, but it doesn't. Whenever you say it, no, <laughs> I do, I do, I do think that you, anybody you, that's listening to us right now is going to drink to get through it anyway. So you know well, what? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, look, I'm drinking, so <laughs> I, w- I would, I would hope that you are too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just—it's really just about the amount of effort that these people put into diminishing Brady, and you know, and and again, we let's jump right back into this game. One of the things I heard was a lot was, oh well, and and this was because. <laughs> I think Chris Collinsworth was a little too giddy to announce this, but he was like, "Oh, that was Brady's seventh straight incompletion." It wasn't, no, um, but not. it was. It was supposed to be his career uh, worst stretch. You know, wow. And so, he had to correct first of himself all, very shortly yeah. after that, which you know, well, any Patriots fan kind of snickered and laughed at that anyway. Well, let's 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 jump into those six incompletes. Now, this the six incompletes spanned over the uh, the failed uh, attempt. So. Again, the Packers defense bailed Rodgers out and uh, stopped the Patriots on the goal line. Four great plays, kept them out of the end zone. A overturn of a spot of a ball took points off the boards for the Patriots, and they failed to convert. That was about the span. That that drive and the following drive encompassed the six straight incompletions. So, again, we're talking about six. Rodgers threw 19 incompletions, Brady threw 13. Brady threw six for six in the fourth quarter, Brady uh, Rogers was two for seven. Let's let's forget all that because apparently none of that matters. Let's just hone in on the six incompletes by by Tom Brady. Um, the third pass of that third one of those incompletes was the miscommunication with uh, Julian Edelman in the end zone. And I know what I believe. I know what you believe. Um, I know what most everyone else believes who watches that. Julian Edelman should have squatted down in that end zone. That's exactly where Tom Brady threw the ball. Should have been a touchdown. But it's an incomplete. Okay, that happens. Uh, fifth pass in that in that sequence, uh, start of the following drive, was a throwaway. No one around. What are you going to do? Throw the ball away or throw it into triple coverage? Well, you know, people against Tom Brady would say, "Oh, you should just recklessly throw it into triple coverage." But he threw it away like he is more prone to do. And the final incomplete on that uh, sequence was a drop from Edelman. So. 
again, <laughs> everything great that Tom Brady did was they honed in on those six incompletes in a row. Like, like that was, you know, that was, oh, well, you know, they didn't play great. You know, Rodgers wasn't great in the fourth quarter. You know, he was two for seven, this, that, and the other. But, you know, Brady th- did throw those six incomplete passes. Oh, yeah? Okay, that's, that's, that's what you got. So, again, this is, this is just the links that people go to <laughs> bring down uh, what, what Tom does in each and every week. And, and it happened again this week. Now, it wasn't the best game from both of them. I don't think either of us will sit there and say that they both played out of their minds great. I think no, when people envision this matchup, you think of, you know, maybe both of them have 125 passer rating and, you know, this, that, and the other. But it's, it's it, you know, they, play, they both played all right. And what really separated them was Aaron Rodgers didn't play great in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady did. Tom Brady, I think, played a little bit better throughout the entire game. You, you mentioned earlier that Rodgers had a nice drive where he really got going. But for the most part, Brady was, for the most part, outplaying him. And, um, and yeah, so there you have it. And I mean, and it's just, it's, it's exactly, I think, how, you know, we see this whole debate is like, yeah, I mean, Rodgers can do some great things. He can do, you know, he can make some incredible throws, all this and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, at some point winning does take it into, you know, that's part of the equation, especially when you have a guy that, you know, you know, went over the 80,000, <laughs> you know, that's another thing. The guy th- <clears throat> breaks the 80,000 yard mark, the only player to ever do it. And it doesn't get a peep from the broadcast. You know, now we're talking playoff and uh, regular season numbers, which, you know, I don't, I don't get what the big fuss is about including them together, but, you know, look, it's 80,000 yards, however you want to slice it. That's a, that's a pretty damn big accomplishment. So the idea that you're trying to vault, uh, catapult a guy that, you know, at this point in his career, you know, he's not on the upswing. Aaron Rodgers is not on the upswing. He's not all of a sudden going to find, you know, the founder of youth and become, you know, 10 years younger. Now, I say that having watched Tom Brady do – pretty much the same thing. I just don't see it out of Aaron Rodgers because, again, he relies much more on his ability to scramble and, and make magic that way as opposed to Tom Brady, who is cerebral inside the pocket and doesn't really expose himself to those type of uh, high-risk hits. Um, so, again, you know, if you want to, you know, if Tom Brady retires after this season and Aaron Rodgers goes on and wins the next four out of six Super Bowls, then, look, we can have that discussion and, you know, we can kind of prop them up. But right now, it's over. It's, it's not even a discussion. It shouldn't even be talked about. You know, the term GOAT should just be taken out of everyone's mouth unless it's, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, unless you're talking about Tom Brady and maybe Joe Montana. If you want to give me an argument for Joe Montana, I'll engage. I won't agree, but I'll engage. Anyone else, I'm sorry. That includes Aaron Rodgers because, as far as I'm concerned, he's about in that maybe top ten range. You know, that's no. you know. Yeah, and I, I think I think you've summed it up quite nicely. I really do, and I think you've said pretty much everything there is to say on the subject. And and I say that with every bit of reverence. I mean, you've basically laid it out. Look, bottom line. People that want to use those incompletions, and going back to what you were saying, we broke down the six incompletions, or you did very eloquently. And basically the way that worked was people are going to take that and say, oh, well, that's the reason why he's not the GOAT. That's the reason why he's not there. But yet those are the, <laughs> like, same, literally. People that, those are the same people that are not going to point to Aaron Rodgers' fourth quarter stats and say that's the reason why he's not well, the GOAT. You know, so, well, you they know, fumbled. 
you know, give they me a break. Yeah, they they <laughs> fumbled. Yeah, okay, all right. That's three that's plays, negative yeah. six yards. Whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. But look, bottom line, here we go. You want to talk stats? We'll talk stats. The final stat lines of this game: Aaron Rodgers, twenty-four of forty-three, two hundred and fifty-nine yards, two touchdowns. Tom Brady, twenty-two of thirty-five, two hundred ninety-four yards, one passing touchdown, one. Uh, and you know, it's it's a situation where you take a look at it, and you know. Brady had more yardage. He found the end zone more. This is essentially what the argument is, and you have to look at it objectively and say to yourself, you know what, he came out on top, and that's really the way that it, that you have to look at it. I mean, there's no there's no objectivity here in terms of there's no subjectivity. I should say it's really it's more objective than anything else. To Lessen what one guy does on the field simply because you don't like him doesn't make your argument any more tangible. And I think you all know that you know there are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people in quote unquote the respected media, people that are deified around uh, um, around social media for being statistical geniuses or uh, they've been around for years and they know the game and they know what's going on. And you know I don't care if you have any type of a bias then your objectivity, in my opinion, is completely in the trash. You have no credibility, and if that's the way you're going to play the game, then you have to be willing to take the hits. And, you know, I just, I don't know, it just drives me mad that this argument, like you said, is still even an argument. People that'll keep, you know, beating the dead horse simply because they're so thirsty for the Patriots to be either exposed for, you know, a team that is not that good anymore or dying to see them fail, that they'll drink the sand of basically saying, hey, you know what, this guy's the greatest, that guy's the greatest, we'll just put anybody up there that we can, simply because Tom Brady is the only constant. And I'm sorry if that makes you guys a little bit squeamish out there that aren't Patriots fans. It's it's not the man's fault that he's been at the top of the heap while everybody else has kind of failed around him. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what you know the future brings and and who ends up taking that mantle after Brady retires. But uh, I just, unless Rodgers continues to play at a high level for a great number of more years and notches a few more Super Bowl victories, which I'm sorry, do count. Yes, <laughs> this is absolutely this is another maddening argument. You. As Herm Edwards eloquently put it, you play, play to, win to win the win game. The game. <laughs> you know, you don't play to get yards per attempt. That's not the stat that everybody's going to remember when you're gone. Passer Getting rating. Passer rating. Oh, passer rating. Yeah. D- yeah. Yep, like, I know. like, like Tom Brady doesn't have the third highest passer rating of all time. Like, oh yeah, no, no. Okay. no. When, it comes <laughs> to actual, when it comes to Brady being at the top of the heap in terms of statistics, it's just oh, it's either longevity or it's luck. Those are the two. Yeah. Or or just wins. Like oh, yeah. you always say wins count. No, we yeah, of course wins count. But like, he's also one of the greatest statistical quarterbacks of all time. Like, it's that's why it's just like you sit there and you. When you when you really break down this argument, everything that they try to prove is it's just hilarious. Like you know, one of the other things that was popping up a lot lately is you know this uh, this idea that you can compare two players by two different outside uh, circumstances. And, and by what I mean is, oh well, you know the Patriots went eleven of five without Brady, and and uh, the Packers went four and sixteen. No, that doesn't mean that doesn't do anything to to uh, uh, prove one way or the other how good one of the player, both of those players are that didn't even participate in the game. Like you're talking about uh, Matt Castle, who's a, you know look, 
he was a, he, he he took he went to the Pro Bowl with Kansas City. He's still in the league. There's something to be said about that. Not to mention, like, <laughs> let let's be very clear here. If you're gonna bring up eleven and five, be authentic. Be you know be true to the argument. Call it like it is. It's nineteen and eighteen without Brady. Because guess what? Five and thirteen from two thousand through the first two games of two thousand and one, they count. Because from what everyone tells me, Bill Belichick's magic system was the thing that, that all of a sudden turned the Patriots around. It wasn't the fact that, you know, hey, again, they were five and thirteen and then all of a sudden Tom Brady takes over and they go eleven and three that regular season and then go three and zero in the postseason, win their first Super Bowl, and they have not looked back since. So if you're gonna sit here and give me the eleven and five argument, at least do it justice and say, Oh, well, Belichick and the Patriots are nineteen and eighteen without Brady. Let's 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 be fair. And guess what? It wasn't like they had a slouch at quarterback either. They had a former first overall pick through those first fifteen games. So uh, I'm sorry, first uh, uh, eighteen games. So stop it. <laughs> like just just use reason and logic and and try to you know try to figure this out. You know, Tom, look, we're not taking anything. We both believe that Bill Belichick, if not the greatest, is one of the greatest coaches ever walked the sidelines. But that does nothing to take away from what Brady has done because from all we know, Brady was what helped put him over the edge because Belichick had a losing record in Cleveland. He didn't go. He went to the playoffs once. They had one playoff win. You know, <laughs> so what was he before as a head coach? What was he before Brady took over? So if you just look at it logically and, and you go through reason and just think, well, you know, for this to be true and this to be true, that must mean Tom Brady is that X factor, right? Seems right. seems reasonable to think, but nope, nope. Don't don't try to tell these people that they were eleven and five, and you know, don't don't mind mentioning that you know the Patriots scored 179 fewer points that season. Matt Castle through 29 fewer touchdowns. The Patriots averaged 11 fewer points a game <laughs> without Tom Brady. And, and we're also talking about one of the most historically great... You know, we could both sit here and argue that despite what Denver did, that 2007 Patriots offense was the best offensive team in NFL history. When you talk about efficiency numbers, the rate at which they scored and, and maximized each each drive and points per drive, all that all that crazy nonsense, they were the best offense. So the best offense that literally just swapped out Tom Brady for Matt Castle went won, won five fewer games, and yes, that's a big difference. <laughs> just because a team wins 16 games and drops down to 11, that doesn't mean it's not as big of a drop-off against a weaker schedule against... You know, again, it's just it's it's a it's a crazy notion that these people make these jump these jumps to these conclusions, and there's 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 just you you can't connect those dots logically. Let's just put it that way. Right. No, you're absolutely right, and that's you know of all of the arguments, I think this one is the most egregious, and that really is that that Tom Brady is basically a quote unquote system quarterback, and that. <laughs> At this point, you can plug in anybody in there in that slot, and they will be able to have success. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's all about Bill Belichick and the system that happens. Look, Bill Belichick, I do believe, is the greatest coach, NFL coach of all time. And I think he will go down as the greatest coach of, in, in the NFL that's ever lived. And I don't think you're ever going to find another guy that's going to be able to do what he does. The problem with this argument is you completely negate the 
accomplishments of the players on the field to get the job done. Let's say Belichick does have a foolproof system in terms of being able to get these guys wins and to be able to succeed at a high level for a great number of years. Argument taken. It is impossible and ludicrous to think that you can just stick anybody back there and they'll have the same success that Tom Brady has had or that anybody else would. I love the argument, that, oh, well, you give Belichick, uh, you give uh, Rodgers Bill Belichick, and he'll have seven rings. Well, first of all, I thought quarterback wins didn't count, first of all, so there's, there's one strike yeah, in your argument. You know, so uh, yeah, obviously, the obviously they do count for something, so that, you know, obviously you, you care about them in some respect, um, which you know, kind of makes their argument lose face, but, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. We'll let it go. The main point behind this argument basically is, is that it doesn't give any credit to the man that has to engineer that system. You need somebody competent back there. You need somebody great to be able to run the system and win at a high level. You can't stick anybody back there. It doesn't matter, you know, what people try to say or people try to you know use they'll use the Matt Castle analysis and believe it or not you did a uh, not believe it or not but very eloquently you did a great job of breaking down exactly what happened 29 fewer touchdown passes you know the, the lack of passing yards and also the fact of the matter is is that Castle basically was running the same team that Tom Brady was running the year before. They had very little turnover that year. That team was retooled to go after it again after, you know, really, really tough luck happened to them in the, uh, in the Giants Super Bowl. Look, I, I don't think it's too far. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that they would have probably won 15. You know, I think it might be far to say that they would win 16 again just because of the toll that it took on them the year before. But this team very easily would have went 14 or 15 and one. And yeah, I don't think they would have had a perfect season, but I think they would have won the Super Bowl that year. I think yeah, they, oh, yeah. they had a major chip on their shoulder. I think they were ready. I think they were ticked off beyond belief of what happened to them the year before, and I think they had a bad taste in their mouth. Tom Brady goes down, and all of a sudden, that does not hold water anymore, and they weren't able to get the uh, uh, the job done. Castle did a great job. Nobody's knocking him at all. I think he really, under the circumstances, replacing a legend is not easy, first of all, and second of all, to come in and be able to run a complex offense like that does show that this guy was not only paying attention, but he's a serviceable quarterback in the NFL but he's not Tom Brady. And you're not going to be able to get that type of success without Brady. I know a lot of people this week, and I got into a back and forth a little bit with someone today on this, um, with the NFL films where Bill Belichick was mic'd up. And I alluded sure. to this earlier on, and I kind of made a joke of it. But there was an interaction between Bill Belichick and Aaron Rodgers. And look, there's a lot of mutual respect between these two guys. Oh, yeah, again. You see, I mean... You saw Peyton Manning go up to Bill Belichick the last time these two teams played, the last time the Denver Broncos played the New England Patriots, and he shook Bill Belichick's hand and says, it was an honor and a privilege to go against you. And Bill Belichick looked right back at him, and he says, likewise, he says, you're the best. You, you know. And these are terms of endearment that are thrown around with quarterbacks that are worthy of that praise. As much as we like to lay into Rodgers, he's worthy of that praise from Bill Belichick. Oh, Make no mistake about it. This was not an indication or a thumb your nose at Tom Brady saying that, oh, well, see, he'd rather have Rodgers. He likes Rodgers better. He thinks Rodgers is a better quarterback. People are not going to bring up that just two weeks earlier, Bill Belichick yeah. stood on the dais at Gillette Stadium and said, there is no quarterback in this league that I would rather have than Tom Brady. He knows what he's got in number 12 standing under center in 
Foxborough. Believe me when I tell you, if Tom Brady were not the special quarterback that everybody says he's not, Bill Belichick would not have kept him around. This is a guy that jettisoned Adam Vinatieri, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy. He is not hesitant to cut ties with guys that he doesn't feel can perform at a high level anymore. People are going to point to the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Maybe there was some ta- some truth to that as well. However, you're talking about making a move that is very close to the end of his career. If Brady were simply a system quarterback, he would have been jettisoned a long time ago. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> a long time ago that he would have done this job with someone else. Cutting Brady in his prime and saying, hey, look, everybody thinks Brady's this great quarterback. I'm going to cut him loose, and I'm going to bring somebody else in here, and I'm going to do that. You don't think Bill Belichick has that kind of an ego? Let me tell you something. He would do it. He didn't for one simple reason. He knows that having Tom Brady under center gives him the best chance to win. Yep. And, and look, Tom Brady did force that. Not, not the way most people seem to think. Like He didn't walk up and say, Robert Kraft trade, Tom Brady. No, he didn't do that. That's not how he forced it. He forced that trade by the way he was playing. I think you draft Jimmy Garoppolo. You figure you have, at the most, four years to figure out what a 36-year-old Tom Brady is going to look like. And, you know, by all accounts, every measurement in history says, okay, he's not going to be the same guy. Well, guess what? That's perfect timing. You have a, you have a young guy that seems to get the system. Well, guess what? <laughs> Tom Brady just goes and uh, leads the leads the team to three Super Bowls in four years. They win two of them. He's an MVP at forty. That's what forced that trade. Not not Tom Brady all of a sudden becoming insecure. Like, are you kidding me? This is the same guy that when at Michigan was constantly put on the back burner and decide and and instead of transferring, decided you know what, I'm going to stay at Michigan and I'm going to do this. So all of a sudden, uh, Tom Brady, the guy, the most competitive guy who treats every day like he's a rookie, is all of a sudden so insecure that he wants to jettison the, the young quarterback. He's so insecure about his job. That's how he's, no. It's like that goes against every single thing that we know about Tom Brady. Every single thing. But you know what? They'll, they'll buy into it. They're all for it. They're like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. He went up and he forced that trade to get Jimmy Garoppolo out of there because he, he didn't want to compete. It's like that's, just, that's the most I, – I, I, I stopped to say most idiotic thing because, again, there's, there's about six things that we've mentioned today that could be the most idiotic thing that has been ever said when it comes to or relates to the Patriots. So, oh, yeah, again, that's just – that's, yeah, that's just one of the many. And, and you know, again, that's a – it's – it just goes back to the notion that like Tom Brady was always this guy, this type of player. It's Belichick got the most out of him, and, and Brady got the most out of Belichick. And again, like you said at the top of the show, it's like, look, people act like Mike McCarthy is like, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the worst coaches ever. Like, I, that's where they put him. But really, I mean, look, can you name ten coaches that are better than Mike McCarthy? Currently, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. No, well, I mean, that's it, what I'm saying. Like, know, what? There what are is... a lot of media, and that's what the thing. There are a lot of mediocre coaches in the league this year. I mean, look, Mike Mike Tomlin has a Super Bowl win. Would you yeah. honestly say that Mike Tomlin is a better coach than Mike McCarthy? I I don't think I would. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I, it's close. I would say, look, it's it's close, but like, you don't hear that. Oh well, uh, Big Ben's winning in spite of 
uh, Mike Tomlin. No, you don't hear that. You don't hear any other, uh, you know, <laughs> except for maybe like the Hugh Jacksons of the world. But you know, you don't you don't hear that from any of these other people. It's like, oh, they don't like. There, there's a lot. <laughs> Andrew Luck has been worse off than than Aaron Rodgers for the better part of his year. How about like uh, uh some other like there, there's a it, it's it's Everyone thinks that he just walks out there with a 32nd ranked defense every year. They just oh, that's grab another. scrap. Yeah, scrap. That's heat. another one. And I came yeah. armed on that one for a little bit in terms uh-huh. of the Packers defense because I'm so sick of hearing that the Packers basically have uh, uh, you know, a, a collection of tackling dummies out there that are playing defense and that they just every team that plays against them runs rough shot. Look, the oh, Packers on the defense, on the road only. Remember. Oh, remember on the road they're, only. they're pretty good on the the, the home you know, the team well, shows up at home. You know just, what? Just Everybody says that legends are born in the postseason. You take a look at it and you hear that argument in professional sports all the time. Look, guys like Derek Jeter, David Ortiz in baseball. Uh, you take a look in uh, in basketball. You look at guys like Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. Um, these guys came and rose to the occasion, Larry Bird, obviously, but these guys came and rose to the occasion in the postseason. That's when legends are born. So you hear about getting you know the opportunity to perform on the grandest stage in the postseason the Packers defense has given up an average of 36.2 points per game now they gave up 51 against the Arizona Cardinals in 2009 they gave up First 37 <laughs> yep <laughs> they gave up 37 to the New York Giants in 2011 they gave up 45 to the San Francisco 49ers in 2012 however the one thing that you won't get some of these Rogers apologists, these 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 Packers sycophants, basically, that will consistently argue that this guy has the worst luck in the world when it comes to defense. You know how many times that Packers offense in those seven career playoff losses has eclipsed thirty points? Mm, two, once. Oh man, once I, I was out of. Seven. And that was the so, very first one. Am I absolutely. correct? Absolutely. Yes, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> Nine, ten years ago. The very first one against <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals, who did put up. I mean, the the Cardinals put up a fifty-one spot. I mean, that's that is an embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, but but it. again, that's. Uh, but I mean, they're making it seem like Rodgers is losing these games fifty-one to fifty, uh, thirty-seven to thirty-six. No, he's not putting up the. The was that when it was counts. So you want to talk about? Wasn't statistics? that Giants? Sorry, wasn't that Giants game like thirty-seven to twenty? Yeah, there was. Some, yeah, so and, like you know, I mean, so you can't sit there and say that Rodgers is completely without blame, and that he's putting up and lighting these guys on fire and shredding defenses, and he just can't keep up with the def- with the uh, the defensive points that are being put up. If you're only scoring thirty points in one out of those seven playoff losses, then yeah, then something's wrong. You have to start pointing the finger inward and saying, you know what, maybe. There's something to the fact that some guys are able to rise to the occasion in the postseason and some are not able to do that. That's exactly what's hurting Peyton Manning in the discussion of the greatest of all time. When you take a look at regular season numbers and what the guy has accomplished, if you eliminate the playoffs and you just took a look at regular season stats, there's probably not a person on earth that would take a look at it and say, Oh, this guy's the best I've, I've seen. This guy's got all yeah. the records. He's got all the uh, the the you know he's got the passing yards. He's got the touchdowns. He's got this. He's got that. There's no question about it that people would look at t- at Peyton Manning and say he's the unquestioned you know best out of all of these guys that I'm looking at. But yet, when it comes to the greatest of all time, Manning is consistently guessed as either maybe third, fourth, fifth. Some even have him out of the top five and even a little bit lower in the top ten. What's the reason for that? 
is postseason failures. And mm-hmm. there's not anything that people can say or do that's going to change that. Again, I'm not knocking Peyton Manning. Nobody rooted against him harder than I did when he played for the Indianapolis Colts. Is there anybody that I respected more in terms of ability? Is there anybody that I feared more as a Patriots fan? Oh, God, no. You always, even though the Patriots had a lot of success against Manning, every time he dropped back, you feared that he was going to be able to put the dagger in your heart every single time. So I sit there now and I look at what he's been able to accomplish in retrospect in his career, and you have to tip your cap to him. But unfortunately, that postseason prowess and the ability to lead your team in some of the most difficult of moments does count for something. I don't know if the situation were reversed, if Aaron Rodgers would have been the guy that could have led a team down from 28-3. to That is an accomplishment that Don Brady deserves a lot of credit for. I I I, think, I say opinion, pretty I confidently. Honestly, I I say pretty confidently that he won't. I I don't even think he'd bring him back from Seattle because look, there there's there's you know, you want to talk about stats and you know, people can you know, sh- shift and shape stats all you want. There's a few out there that are pretty telling and one of which is Aaron Rodgers is what 1 in 38 against teams with a winning record when trailing in the fourth quarter. Like that's a, that's a very telling stat, especially when you look at the flip side of it, and Brady is significantly better. And then you break it down, you look okay. Well, let's see what what quarterback records are when they throw for more than fifty passes. Well, Aaron Rodgers is not good in that sense. Tom Brady, the only quarterback with a winning record. So again, the, these little things, these little pressure moments, you know, you can you can throw out greatest passer rating of all time, greatest touchdown interception ratio of all time. I mean, that pretty much just seems to be on repeat, um, you know, <laughs> over and over again. Again, like I said, it, they act like Tom Brady's like 15th. He, he's third in career passer rating. He played uh, a portion of his career in a not-so-pass-happy era, and he's also second in touchdown interception ratio. So what are we talking about here? You know, we're talking about two players that are pretty identical in terms of statistical achievements, at least in those rate stats. I mean, in terms of volume, you know, of course, you know, Rodgers has a ways to go, and that does count. You can't just assume he's going to get to that point, which a lot of people do. Like, oh, yeah, no, of course. He's, he would just he would easily go in and win eight Super Bowls. No, no, he would not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you can't – if you treat that assumption as a fact, it's just it's outrageous. But, you know, you can't – the bottom line is you just can't assume that he's going to do the same production. But when you look at the rate stats, yeah, UK, yeah, they're pretty similar. You know, when you break it down, okay, you know, late games against good teams, you know, Rodgers has trouble on the road, he has trouble against those good teams. Well, you know, when we're splitting hairs between two great quarterbacks, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty significant advantage for Brady. And then, and then again, you just talk about the playoff numbers. I mean, look, his numbers are at the point where, like, you know, we're talking, like, Joe DiMaggio hit streak untouchable. You know what I mean? Like, these playoff totals, these... The, it just, oh, there's, I mean, look, if Brady wants to play till he's 45, you're talking about four or more seasons of padding those playoff stats. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he's already already almost doubled up Joe Montana in most of those in terms of, like, you know, wins and, and you know, his yardage. He's about 4,000 above the next person. So, again, this is these, these stats are going to become untouchable, and you can't just ignore them when you're talking about the greatness of the overall greatness of, of quarterbacks. So, again, these are, these are all things that just get 
you know, just pushed aside so just carelessly, just like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Wins don't matter. None of that matters. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> it does. You, you, again, you play to win the game. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't play to throw into triple coverage because the uh, you don't want to throw to the open guy that happens yeah, to be exactly. in the flat. <laughs> or just basically throw the ball away to avoid the sack every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we won't get into how well, often Aaron Rodgers does that. But, you know, we'll... <laughs> for the sake of argument, for playing devil's advocate, yes, you know Rogers, in terms of being able to extend plays with his draw, with with his legs, and you know, and doing what he does, he's a unique talent in this league, and there's no question about that. I absolutely, you know, tip my cap to the guy and tell him that he is one of the more dynamic talents that the league has ever seen. There's there's no question about it. He's got that that ability, but. <laughs> You know, it's it's just you know I'm trying to again I'm trying to keep my cool I'm trying to be uh, as uh, um, as as objective as I possibly can be because I can you know see the argument on both sides I guess people are gonna you know sit there they're gonna cape up and they're gonna you know defend their guy as as much as they possibly can and you know the whole thing in a nutshell is is it really it even pains me to have to make these arguments because as a player I like Rogers mm-hmm. <laughs> I do oh, I yeah. enjoy watching. Him. Um, I, I, I happen to think he's a pretty decent human being. I think that, you know, he's, he's a pretty good guy. So, you know, it's tough to sit there and to say that, you know, you got to choose one or the other, or you got to be a fan of one or the other. It's really, it's, it's some delusional fans that really, you know, fan the flames of hate. And it's usually, you know, jealousy on, on that end that, uh, that really exists on, on that level. But, you know, bottom line, when, these people try to sit there and they try to say, oh, wins aren't important, wins aren't important, wins aren't important. Well, you know what? If wins aren't so important, why do you sit there making so many excuses as to why this guy doesn't win if that's not important? If yards per attempt and these stats are all that matters, all you should be sitting there and saying, hey, you know what? We don't care if we don't win. Our, uh, our, our quarterback has the best yard YPA in the NFL. We're, we're fine with that. We're gonna have a parade. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna hoist <laughs> Hang a banner. banner. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, yeah, yeah, if only he played for the Colts. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Well, they hoist Sorry, a banner for everything. Did you happen to see uh, uh, out there today? I think uh, our uh, our mutual <laughs> friend Matt Chatham tweeted out today a picture of uh, um, a Colts banner hanging from the rafters on which it said the game flex to 415 in 2018. Yeah, I so, saw that. That's <laughs> great. I thought it was I hilarious. It, it's like kudos to Matt Chatham for doing that. It's the gift that, that keeps it. on. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> oh yeah, you can pretty much put anything on there. I mean, you know, you, Josh McDaniels, head coaching finalist. I mean, it was really some, <laughs> some of these things that they've put up there. You know, made a first down against the Patriots was one <laughs> yeah. of them. I think that was on it. It was just some of these were really good. You know, you know, took took a selfie in the end zone like a bunch <laughs> of buffoons. You know. Oh God, man, that, yeah. that, that well, was we, we won't start on the Colts now. No, I mean, no, no. We, we we're 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 this already like the show beyond like five you know five hours we go, but uh, <laughs> we we've already hit what we we expected to, to have the show go. So we're actually gonna we'll go a little bit longer. But I do want to kind of wrap up the whole uh, uh, venting, I guess, when it comes to and that's that's essentially what a lot of this we're, we're gonna jump into this game a little bit more and kind of do a quick preview of what's coming up with the Titans game here in a minute. But I do want to, uh, you know, read one thing that that kind of it, it's something I I saw or I searched for actually. I actually did some some digging here. I did you know my my research. I really kind of dove into it and found this. Logical, uh, yeah, yeah, find yeah. That, my friend. Hey, hey, well, like I said, I wanted I wanted to just enlighten some people and kind of give people an idea of you know what we're dealing with when it comes to Tom Brady. And I, I this was this was a little blurb out of an SI article. 
I'm not going to tell you who wrote it until at the end because I think you'll find it kind of funny who wrote it. But, um, you know, this, this in a way just really sums up a lot about Tom Brady, for one, because it's, it's about Tom Brady. But two, just in general, just this disparity, this, this, this idea that somehow this untapped talent somehow usurps everything that someone else accomplishes. And if you have raw talent, that's all you need to be the greatest of all time. So, again, this is a quote from a SI article from back in 1999. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just put my singing voice out there for everyone to hear, so. I apologize for that, everyone. Yes, I no, that was actually take my, a drink. Uh, <laughs> take a drink. Partner. That was that was not uh, that that was that was not Prince, ladies and gentlemen. Nope, no, no, no. Uh, I do not. No, I do not have the rights out there. So if anyone out yeah. there is listening, I did not play the soundtrack. You might have mistaken it for the soundtrack, but please don't sue me, Prince's estate. So yes, it was, before... yes, it was very very close. It was really hard, but the trained eye does uh, the trained ear, I should say, does uh, <laughs> you know, pick up on those things. <laughs> It's all right. Again, I, I, about, I'm pretty sure about half the audience. Actually, no, no, I, I won't say that. Prince, Prince is popular, but I digress. Anyways, this is a this is a little blurb from a SI article published in 1999. So here we go. Someday, Drew Henson, remember Drew Henson, a sophomore quarterback at Michigan and a can't-miss farmhand in the New York Yankees organization, may win Super Bowl and World Series rings, plural, in the same season. Someday, Henson will shine at crunch time. But last Saturday, the Wolverines needed more than potential as they trade, trailed Notre Dame 22-19 to with 4.08 to play. That's why fifth-year senior quarterback Tom Brady was on the field for the 58-yard touchdown drive that gave Michigan a 26-22 to win. Now, where have you heard that before? Tom Brady comes in and they went, oh, my God. <laughs> the, the, the big, talented Drew Henson, the guy that everyone wanted to replace Tom at Michigan, the guy that just couldn't get it done despite all the raw talent. I mean, you read it right there. You know, people expected him to go and win World Series and Super Bowl rings. <laughs> like, to me right there, that not only sums up this this argument in terms of, you know, I'm not saying <laughs> Drew Henson is a, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is far better than Drew Henson. I'm not, I don't, don't mistaken what I'm trying to say for that. What I'm saying is, a lot of people have had a lot more talent than Tom Brady. But talent doesn't get the job done all the time. And we can see that right there. And that, that was from nearly 20 years ago. So, again, going back to this whole, well, Belichick made Brady. No, Brady was always this guy. Yeah, he had to fine-tune his craft, and Belichick was a big part of that. But he was always this guy. He was always the guy that performed under pressure. He was always the guy that come in in the big moments and make those plays and perform at the, you know, when the, when the stakes are at their highest, despite whatever happened before in that game or in that season, when it came down to it, he was, he came through. And and again, this is just, yeah. It really is an excellent point. When you take a look at guys that have done it on on the, on the largest scale and they find that coach that hones in their talent and allows them to be their greatest self. It's something magical. That's what Brady and Belichick do. They complement one another. Um, you take a look at a team like the Los Angeles Lakers where Magic Johnson was a dynamic talent. He won his first NBA title in 1979 or 1980, I should say. It was 79-80. 79 was the Michigan State, Indiana State against Larry Bird. But Magic won that title. His coach that year was a guy named Paul Westhead, who unless you're a real hardcore NBA fan, you're not going to know that name beyond belief. He didn't actually get to be coached by Pat Riley until his fourth NBA season. 
A lot of people don't realize that, that he didn't have Riley his entire career. So Magic was the dynamic talent that was able to win on his own. Riley didn't make Magic. Magic didn't make Riley. They made each other better. Mm -hmm. That's the dynamic between Brady and Belichick that everybody wants to ignore. They want to say that one made the other. Mostly, usually, it's most of the time it's Belichick made Brady. It's usually not the other way around. But they will cry about the fact that Brady was nobody and Belichick had to pluck him from obscurity and mold him into his own creation. No, you hit the nail right on the head there. Drink up me, Audie hey, drink. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, you know, you did. You, you essentially hit it right there and then. Brady was that guy. He had that drive. He had that ability at the University of Michigan. Came to the New England Patriots, studied under Bill Belichick, and that honed his career into something even more dynamic, more, you know, productive and it's made him into the great quarterback that he is today so that's a great point i really enjoy that i'd be very very uh curious as to find out not only who wrote that but uh i think it's interesting that that there's another narrative of tom brady taking over for a guy named drew and the the, the rest of the the oh i like that i like that well i will tell you in just a second who wrote that because i think you'll laugh a little bit but um i do to further your point you know Tom Brady's very last college game of his career was identical to the Baltimore Ravens game. You know, that playoff game where he came back twice, twice down 14 points to win. And, it's, I mean, it's just it's mirror images of, it, of themselves, really, if you think about it. Um, the, you know, obviously, his final college game coming in the Orange Bowl. But, again, down 14 points twice, 14 points in the four, you know, second half, fourth quarter, come back walk off when you know and you get that famous uh you know clip of brady you know what a way to go off as a fifth year senior as a as a win in the orange bowl whatever it is i mean whatever that quote is i actually think that was pretty pretty accurate so <laughs> i'm going to give myself a little pat on the back there but um but yeah i mean you, you know the guy did it in college you know he, he picked up and he, he picked up right where he left off the second he got an opportunity and everything from that point on has just been him showing who he is but you know, unfortunately, people, not everyone wants to see it. So are you ready to find out who wrote that article? I am, absolutely. <laughs> Waiting for it with bated breath, my friend. It was a one, Michael Silver. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. Okay, so noted, yeah, noted Aaron Rodgers apologist and honk, uh, Michael Silver, um, actually wrote that back in 1999. So, again, you know, it's just, again, it's another reason why you can't really, you know... <laughs> You know, taking into account everything these 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 people say, but it's it, again, it's just an interesting way to look at it. Where, you know, that that that's long before <laughs> Tom Brady wow. was a household name. That's long and that before was Michael Silver before the quote unquote "look at me" journalism era yeah, started. Yeah. So you know, yeah. that's that's like you know, it's like hashtag Me Too, hashtag Look at Me journalism. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, really that's we're pretty, living in that era right now. That's really I like that. It's it's really it's really what it is because I mean it, it's it's no no one's ashamed to throw out something stupid. You know, and and yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, literally, I I, I remember turning on post game NFL Network right after the game. Shannon Sharp's up there. What 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 do you, no, what does it tell you about? Yeah, Rodgers versus Brady, and it's like this tells me you know, two plays, the fumble and the trick play were what changed. It's like. I, right then and there, I just started laughing. I was like, "All right, that's it. <laughs> that's I. I saw it coming. This is this is what it is. You're gonna hone in. Okay, whatever." But 
anyways, I, I did want to uh, kind of wrap the uh, that that whole Rogers Brady discussion up with that quote because I, I I did I, I I've tweeted it out several times the last week. Um, I've been throwing it at a lot of people, so um, I do like that. I think again, it's it doesn't it's not like you know I'm not presenting it as proof of anything. It's just another piece of evidence in the Brady was this guy and he's always been this guy. Belichick just you know, smoothed out the edges. And right. and same same and, and the exact the exact same thing can be said with with Belichick, because you think about his early starts and, and again we talked about it earlier earlier in the show that okay, he wasn't that successful with Cleveland. Well, if you really dive into it, you know, he was doing some good things. And you saw some of the same things you see from him now in Cleveland, just not as publicized. Now all of a sudden you know, Brady, who was doing the same things he does now back in college, Belichick, who's been doing the same thing since he was in Navy, you know, at Navy with his dad, uh, essentially. <laughs> All of a sudden, they come together, and it's just a perfect match. It's a, it's a good match. Brady would have been successful elsewhere. Belichick would have been successful elsewhere. It's hard to imagine that these two guys, outside of having each other, were never going to figure it out. Maybe, probably not to the, to the extent that they do together, but there's a big difference between going once, winning once, and going eight times and winning five times. Right. Big difference. So, you. but we will <laughs> after that uh, brief uh, hour and ten minute discussion on Rodgers and Brady and, and all that. We will uh, wrap up the show very shortly, and we will talk a little bit about this Tennessee uh, game coming up because there's obviously a lot of New England ties with it. Um, I do want to real quick put a kind of a, a bow tie on this past game. You mentioned it earlier. The defense uh, is starting to really come together. We, we talk about it every week. Trey Flowers is huge on that line. He makes such a huge difference. He's one of the best graded, if not the best graded pass rusher this season, you know, at least from, ed, from the edge. And all of a sudden you're seeing guys start to play real. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, what, what more can be said about that guy? I mean, he he's an island. He's an island out there. He goes out there and he just shuts down whoever he has to deal with. And we're we're starting to see some of that come together on the defense. These guys are staying getting a little bit healthier. Um, Eric Rowe is out. Um, you know, he's been battling some injuries, but you know, Trey Flowers has been in there. Dante Hightower's been in there. Um, right. They just added. Uh, Oh God, it's gonna Obi my new. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. I should. I should. I should. Yeah, We're gonna say. We're gonna say Obi. Obi Wan. We'll call yeah, him Obi Wan. So Obi Wan is you know uh, you know the former first round pick from the Raiders. He's gonna add a little bit of depth. I'm you know I'm gonna pump the brakes on saying it's gonna be a big ad because you know you want to see what he does. But so far so good with former uh, Raiders cast off because uh, Corderell Patterson is all of a sudden turning into a. <laughs> A, a Pro Bowl caliber running back, and I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, kid a little bit when I say that, but man, he he looks. I I always worry when he first gets the ball in his hand because the first few weeks he seemed a little herky jerky running, but once he gets going, once he picks up ahead of steam, whew, man, he can he can he can run. And oh, he's quick. Yeah, he oh yeah, quick. He is a flash out there. No and, pun intended to Josh Gordon, but yeah. he really is. I mean, you know, and you're absolutely right. You still kind of hold your breath every single time you see him take the ball in the backfield. It's like, oh, please, just hold on to it. I feel hold better now, though. It. Every yeah. week I feel better. Every, but you do, and you see him get more comfortable every single carry that he gets. He's gaining confidence. He's out there. He's making plays. He's getting big runs. He ripped a few of them in uh, the game that you saw on Sunday. 
Um, unquestionably, I mean, Cordero Patterson has been as advertised when it comes to speed, quickness, special teams, and now being a force in the running game. Uh, really, really amazing what he's been able to do. You had mentioned the defense. and A couple of guys that I wanted to uh, uh, to mention that I think have really, uh, one guy that has really been a consistent force all year, uh, and he came up with a really, really big moment in the fourth quarter this week was Lawrence Guy. Uh, mm -hmm. Stripping uh, Aaron Jones of the ball, the fumble recovered by uh, Stephon Gilmore. We mentioned the fumble many, many times. Well, it robbed Aaron Rodgers of a chance to make a miraculous Absolutely. comeback. You know, it, it robbed him of the chance. That's of, almost guaranteed uh, every time he touches it, even though he's like 19 for 42 in those situations. What? I'm Absolutely. sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 that's okay. No, no, it robbed him of the ability to perform the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the miracles at uh, Santa Ana. But basically, <laughs> uh, what it comes down to is these, uh, is, as Lawrence Guy has been a, a force all year, and he's just a guy that is consistently in the right place at the right time. Not by accident, by design. This guy has really, you know, he's, he's really done, uh, you know, the Patriots a service. So a uh, real big shout out to him. He's having himself a tremendous year. One guy that I've been really impressed with the last couple of weeks that really caught a lot of malignment uh, throughout the first few weeks simply because you didn't hear his name called a lot. Uh, me stepped up. I think he had a really good game on Sunday is Adrian Claiborne. Um, yes. In terms of getting after the quarterback and putting pressure, you're seeing Trey Flowers really emerge, I think, as one of the premier pass rushers in this league. When you add a guy like Adrian Claiborne, who has the savvy and the know-how and the experience to be able to be a force in that pass rush and that front seven be formidable to get after the quarterback, put pressure, and even be able to knock the ball loose. He was a big, intricate part of that nine-yard sack that forced the punt for uh, for Rodgers and really kind of doomed the Packers' uh, ability to get back into the game. That was a well, big I'm, moment. So I really like what uh, what I've seen out of uh, the defense. This was a big statement game for them, and they came up big on a big stage. Well, I was going to say I'm glad you brought up the pass rush because there's a interesting little – little stat floating around uh, last year compared to this year. Uh, last year, the Patriots defense was ranked, I think, 28th or somewhere in that range in terms of uh, uh, pressure percentage. And, you know, they blitzed or brought pressure about 26, 27% of the time. Well, now they're closer to about 34%, and that's good for about third in the league. So, and, and it's noticeable. This isn't just a deceiving stat. Like, you know, you see that stat and you're like, oh, you know what? That makes sense because you, you see it on the field. You know, they may not, you know, they only had one sack, you know, and it was a big one. But you saw any, you saw it in some of the clips, you know, post game, you know, of, of Belichick mic'd up, really saying, like, keep that pressure, keep that contained because that forced a lot of the incompletes. It kept, you know, it kept Rodgers from doing what he does best, and that's rolling to his left. You know, it prevented him from making those plays. And even when he was able to move around a little bit, the Patriots defense did a good job of keeping everything in front of him. They, you know, Absolutely. rarely allowed, even even those big plays, you know, that one of those throws, I mean, his best of the night, you know, was the rollout to the right and he threw it up high and uh, uh, their rookie receiver went up and got it, the big 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guy. And, you know, that was a good, it, was a, it was a great play. You know, you can't really you know, defend it much better than what was defended. It was just, you know, the, the player made a play, and, and that was that. Um, the defense has just been really good. Jason McCourty has been fantastic. And, you know, this is going to play into what we're about to see this upcoming week is the right. guy that used to have his position, and that's Malcolm Butler, who, you know, if anyone, if anyone still doubted Belichick's move to, to bench Butler before 
I mean, just look at it, and I, I, I hate to see it. You, you hear it in our intro every time you listen to the show. Uh, his play will forever be just you live in infamy in, in, in these New England parts and, and, and throughout the fan bases and the families that follow these teams forever. You know, it's just an incredible play. It'll always be there. But, you know, he's he's been bad for a while, and he is, by a lot of metrics, one of the worst cornerbacks in the league this year again. And, you know, this wasn't anything new. I mean, I think what, you know, Belichick didn't say it, but leading up to... I, and if I remember this correctly, Butler got benched in the AFC Championship game, but Eric Rowe got injured, or uh, Jonathan Jones, someone got injured, which forced him back into the starting lineup. It might have been in the divisional game, actually, against, against Tennessee. He got torched, um, and he got benched, but he had to go back in because they were shorthanded. So, again, this is, you know, we take no joy in this. I mean, I think we'll enjoy in the moment. Because I feel like, you know, if, if Butler happens to be going up against Josh Gordon at any point, <laughs> good luck. Uh, you might be seeing a couple more of those 55-yard bombs from Tom Brady. But, you know, we certainly, like, again, we don't take any joy in him struggling. We will, however, take joy in them attacking this Tennessee defense, which, you know, despite what we say, is, is a pretty good unit by the numbers. However, I don't think either of us expect the Patriots offense to struggle much with that and uh, co- combine that with the Patriots defense that's playing well against the offense that isn't, you know, this, this could be a nice, easy, I don't want to say easy, nice, low intensity compared to this past week game heading into the bye week. Yeah, without question. Uh, Tennessee, yeah, yeah, according to the numbers, they do. They actually have the number one ranked scoring defense in the NFL. However, you take a look at their record, they're 4-4. Four and four. Um, You know, they've needed every bit of that defense to get to that level of four and four you mentioned Malcolm Butler and it is it's for Patriots fans that hold him in high regard and I think every Patriot fan will because should, of the play should. at Super they, Bowl 49 there uh, should not really be a single should. Patriot fan that yeah. should trash him it, Exactly. I mean, you know, the the guy did. He say what you will. You know, whether he, you know, played at at a, you know on an optimal level every single night out or not is really irrelevant. The guy left his heart out there on the field every single day, and I think that's something that you have to admire. Whether you know he succeeded or whether he failed, I think he had more success here than he did failure. In Tennessee, it hasn't been pretty. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you've taken a look at the stat line, but. Of the 14 touchdowns that the Titans have allowed, Malcolm Butler has been responsible for seven of them. That's 50%, folks. Um, He's allowed 39 catches, 618 yards. Those numbers are the worst in the NFL among NFL cornerbacks. So, you know, if there's a time where Malcolm Butler has to unleash that beast, (laughs) this is the time that he's got to do it against the New England Patriots. I just don't know if he's going to be capable of dialing up that kind of success against a guy like Tom Brady. If I'm, if I'm the New England Patriots, I'm going at him. Uh, I know that there's a situation where you probably don't want to make him look good, get him a couple of interceptions or get him some coverage that really you know gives him the confidence that he needs to kind of get back into this. You really, in, I hate to say it in essence, but when football is a type of game where if a guy's down, you want to kick him, you want to leave him there, and you want to keep him there. Um, you know, Mike Rabel, as the head coach of the uh, the Tennessee Titans, former Patriot, uh, still beloved in this area, um, said earlier this week that Butler isn't in line for a demotion. Well, <laughs> I hate to say it, but if Malcolm Butler struggles against the Patriots this week, 
if I'm Mike Vrabel, you almost have to kind of consider it at this point. I mean, you can't. You've got a playoff run to consider. You're right now in the, in the mix when it comes to wild card and being able to make some noise. This is a team with a lot of talent. I mean, and we're not even mentioning, you know, former Patriot Deion Lewis, who's going to be. Yeah you know, pumped up for this game. You know that, and Butler's come out and said, oh, I'm not pumped. This is just a game. Uh, I'm not overhyped, uh, anything. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily the case with him. Malcolm tends to be much more of a, of a, of a warm-hearted guy. I think everybody knew that when he was here. Overly appreciative, overly sweet even, beyond belief, uh, you know, when it comes to his demeanor. Deion Lewis is not like that. I, took to calling him a fire last year because he always brought the heat. This is a guy that has that fire in his system, and you heard it earlier on, him saying that the Patriots you know, disrespected him, that he didn't feel that he got the love that he deserved from New England. He's going to be playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. If I'm the New England Patriots defense, I definitely have my eye on Deion Lewis because this is a guy that wants to really break for some yards this week and really make some noise against this team. Whether or not he's capable of doing that, whether or not the Titans are going to be able to do that, that's another kettle of fish. But I think there's going to be some extra motivation on Deion Lewis's shoulders this week. So he's a guy that I keep an eye on. And I think, uh, to you, going back to Malcolm Butler real quick, I think this is, you know, it's smart for Vrabel, Mike Vrabel to not bench him, especially leading up to this game. Because think about it, if there's any game that may, might be able to get him right, you know, maybe it's going up against the Patriots that, that kicks him into a little higher gear and then he can turn his season around. So, you know, even if, if Vrabel knows that, you know, the, the leash is short, I would absolutely start him in this game and just – you know, look, it's, they paid a lot of money to get him. They need him to, to perform well. I think the last thing they want to do is bench him because, you know, you're, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole lot of money sitting on the bench. But, you know, you're, you, like you said, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of getting to that point where you've got to make a decision because, you know, his numbers aren't just bad. They are really bad, like, at, bad, you know, <laughs> bottom of the league bad, like you mentioned. And, um yeah, when yeah, I saw so that I, line, that really was an eye-opener. I mean, I, it's, knew it's, I didn't it's, realize It's sad. It, ma- it, makes, it makes me sad because, you know, I think especially after at the beginning of last season, you know, of course everyone was all gung-ho for Butler to get re-signed. And I think, I think his, whether or not he, his play was in decline prior to that maybe wasn't as noticeable. It was certainly noticeable last season um, and clearly – you know, we've seen it happen again this season, so we can see that it's a trend. Uh, for Dion Lewis, you know, like you said, I think he's, you know, he's been playing well. You know, I think I think they're just now starting to get, you know, being like, okay, well, Dion Lewis can handle a bigger load. Let's give him the ball because he's Dion Lewis and he's still an electric athlete and he can make plays or whatever. Um, they're going to need something because you know this, as good as their defense, you know, suppose you know is supposedly the offense really hasn't been good. And, you know, they, they, they're they hot and cold sometimes where it's like they play up to their competition sometimes, but sometimes they play down to it. Um, I, you know, look, I like the Patriots in this game. I don't, you know, for, for other teams, you might look at this as a bit of a trap game because, well, you're coming off a game against Green Bay, you know, nationally televised, you have a bye week coming up, and then all of a sudden the, the Tennessee Titans come rolling into town. Well, look... I don't see this as that. I think the Patriots are going to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I think you, whether or not Gronk plays, I don't, you know, I don't think is a big deal. I, I look, to be honest, I'd rather he not play. You know, keep him out another week. I don't care. Keep Sony Michelle out another week. 
you know, if we're especially heading into this bye week, we got those guys. Those those guys are going to be needed for the playoffs. Right. So, in a game against Tennessee, do I think the Patriots are capable of, of, you know, doing what they do without those guys? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I I want those guys in those games for against Pittsburgh, against Minnesota. You know, down the stretch when you're getting into the playoffs. You know what I mean? Those that's when I want those guys healthy. And with the bye week coming up. You know, take it easy. Sit Gronk out an extra week. Sit sit uh, Sony Michelle out an extra week. Good news is Rex Burkhead was back at practice today. That's yes. that's a huge piece piece of news because all of a sudden, you know, it's not like the Patriots are just going to now go away from Cordell Patterson in the backfield. No, he's going to keep getting snaps in the backfield. So now all of a sudden you're looking at Sony Michelle, James White, Cordell Patterson, and throwing Rex Burkhead. And you got a pretty formidable group right there, and Absolutely. a very, very quick and dynamic group too. So, um, again, and I think this this offense is just getting more and more in sync. I think Julian Edelman is kind of he. I, I think Jules is about seventy five percent right now. I don't think he's. I'm not saying I think he's healthy. I think he's just seventy five percent himself because we know it takes some time. Like, you know, if if he he's thirty two years old, you know he coming off an ACL injury. He hasn't played a lot of football in the last year and a half. Give it some time, I think, as we get into December, as we get into the playoffs. I think you're going to see more and more that connection because it, it's been off a little bit. I, I think we can both sit there and say that, you know, Brady and Jules, hasn't, they haven't quite been on that same page. Again, it goes back to that one of those awful, awful six incompletions Brady had. Uh in that game against Green Bay, where they just were not on the same page, and and you know which play I'm talking about, right? When we're you know when when Edelman's going across the back of the end zone, and he should have just stopped in the little soft zone, but he kept going, and Brady threw it behind him, and you know then of course you know they show the clip of Brady saying, "Oh, you got to stop," you know, and that again, I think that's just something that you know they're not all the way there yet, but give it some time. <laughs> You know, you've yeah, got a really offensive, a great offensive uh, group right now, and moving forward, they're only going to get better. Yeah, I mean, it amazes how the narrative changes from one week to another, and yet the Patriots yeah. just keep on rolling where, you know, the sky was falling because they didn't have enough wide receivers, and the wide receivers they had were terrible, and his receivers are trash. All of a sudden, they pick up Josh Gordon, and the wide receiving core ends up being one of the better in the league where people are envious of the weapons that Tom Brady has rather than saying, well, look at who he's throwing to. Um, the running backs, you take a look at Sony Michelle going down. Uh, Jeremy Hill, who really has been a forgotten part of this backfield, who was really going to be a very prominent piece in this uh, Patriots backfield. I can assure you of that. The guys, uh, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels were really high on Jeremy Hill. It was a big loss when they lost him. Um, and you start to wonder whether or not these guys are going to be that formidable group that you saw. Well, you just rattled off Sonny Michelle, Kenyon Barner, um, Rex Burkhead coming yeah, back. I forgot now, about Barner. Yeah. Cordell Patterson into the, into the mix, who was a real pleasant surprise. And now all of a sudden, this looks like a pretty, pretty deep uh, backfield for the New England Patriots. Um, interesting point that you had brought up when it came to uh, Sony Michelle, uh, excuse me, when it came to uh, uh, Rex Burkhead coming back um, and possibly, you know, maybe teaming with Sony Michelle, obviously, when he comes back. Um, Burkhead and rookie cornerback Duke Dawson were officially at practice today. They are now. Oh. 
the two team the team's two designated players for return from injured reserve. This means that if you're a fan of cornerback Eric Rowe or like I am a big fan of linebacker Juwan Bentley, they will not be returning to action this year in 2018. We're on to 2019 for those two guys. Uh, Rowe definitely hard luck with uh, with Rowe. He's had he's had an up and down career here in New England. Uh, you know, you wonder if maybe his days in New England are completely done after this injury. Uh, I know Bill Belichick thinks a lot of him. The defensive coaches think a lot of him. Uh, I know he hasn't always gotten the fair shake that a lot of people feel that he has. He's been maligned a lot. I think a lot of it unfair. Um, I think he's had some very difficult shoes to fill whenever he's been called upon to do his job. I think he's done an adequate job here. Uh, but uh, Bentley, I think, is a smart move. I think you really you rest this kid uh, give him the opportunity to fully heal from his uh, his wound and come back strong next year because this is a guy that really is going to be a big component for the Patriots defense going forward but good news on Burkhead uh, good news on Duke Dawson you can always use help in the secondary I know they were high on him when they drafted him so uh, you're starting to see some of these guys come back and now the Patriots are going to have a couple of their big primary rookies um, being able to get some meaningful minutes down the stretch and that's always a good thing well and and that's and that's um, again that's a that's a good point to, to make you know you you know what there's no there's no guessing game left going on and who's coming back you know Bentley's going to be gone uh, it's nice to get Bar I mean look Barkhead's got to stay healthy he's a guy who when he's out there can make some plays but he's really struggled to stay healthy and you know Duke Dawson is just another you know, really good depth piece for this defense, especially with Eric Rowe. And I think you, you know, when Eric Rowe was at his best, he was a really good cornerback. He he made he, you know, he made some really good plays for this team. You know, he struggled at times, and it didn't look great. And I think people remember those instances a lot more, especially with a guy like Eric Rowe. And uh, you know, it's a shame that he couldn't stay healthy because I think he's an asset on this team. I, I was very a very pro Rowe <laughs> guy. Um, yeah, I was too. Absolutely. But um, but yeah, you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's like, look, this is this happens every season. You have to you have to be able to adapt and evolve and replace and 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 look. The Patriots are, you know, maybe that's why one of the reasons why uh, you know they brought in the safety Obi from uh, from Oakland is like, look, Patrick Chung hasn't had his best year this year. He's he's been good, but he hasn't. There, there's been times he 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 seems to be just not in the right place and he's been struggling a little bit more with coming up into the box and, and with OB on the staff he's a bigger guy he can play a little bit more in the box a little bit more in the, as a thumper type of player and you know maybe that moves Chung into a more comfortable role for what he's trying to do so uh, you yeah. know in the past we've seen Ch Patrick Chung be kind of the do-it-all safety um, you know now maybe it's time to, to shift his responsibilities and you know we'll see we'll see what happens and uh, the interesting thing about the OB acquisition was that it was for two years not just a one-year deal so Right, um, and they see be a lot of potential. Yeah, there's yeah. yeah, there's no question about it. These guys are high on him, and Obi brings a tremendous amount of size and athleticism to that position. I think you're going to see him play on tight ends quite often. I think you saw Patrick Chung do a pretty serviceable job against some of the tight ends in the league, like a guy like Kelsey or you know somebody like uh, uh, Jimmy Graham. You saw over the weekend. Um, did but, we? Did we see him? Because <laughs> I, I, I saw him once in the end zone, but other than that, I, I, I thought he was 
still on Seattle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, you're absolutely right. But uh, you know, Chung has done a pretty decent job. But I think he's looked like a fish out of water when it came to that. I think he's had challenges being able to cover guys, especially tight ends that tend to have the size and the speed uh, that some of the athletic tight ends in the league have. So getting Obi in there gives him more of a traditional role. You can see Chung move back down into covering a situational receiver, which is really where he shines. And I think you're going to see that more this over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Obi's active this week. He already said that he's he's ready to go and he wants to go. Um, I don't think you'll see him be um, an active uh, participant this week. I think usually when the Patriots bring in a guy mid-season like this, uh, they're going to err on the side of caution and probably make him a healthy scratch, give him an opportunity to watch a little bit and see what's going on. But uh, this could be a pretty decent get for them. Uh, I Again, you had mentioned this earlier on in the show that we want to pump the brakes on this and not be overly, you know, and overly hype it uh, based on what we might see. But this has the potential to be a real steal um, for uh, uh, for the Patriots brain trust. And again, <laughs> they're just able to get these guys uh, that, you know, for some reason teams don't want and... You know, and and they're able to bring these guys in and really do great things with them. Uh, my eyes are both wide open looking at uh, um, Obi, and I really wish him the uh, the best. I know he's got ties to this area between being a Yukon guy and also, uh, you know, being a uh, a Massachusetts native. Uh, he does have some strong ties in the Massachusetts area. Our mutual friend Steve Balistrieri actually knows uh, people that are connected with Obi very well. He was very high on this acquisition and uh, you know said we can expect big things from him. So I listen when Steve talks. I think he's got I think he's got a good amount of on the ball on this. Well, I, I for a second there I thought you said with arms wide open, which. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is not Scott Stapleton. With arms wide open. Good, nice. That was good. That was good. That was good. I, I uh, ask you know we uh, it, the two of us we have we have a friend that uh, we've both known mutually for a long time before we knew each other and um, <laughs> ask him about you know perhaps my my Creed impression uh, singing <laughs> over the uh, over the loudspeaker at. I'm actually the Castle on Sports Store so I'm now defunct. About that. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, he's 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 but we we're we are of course talking about the 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 rock star band of Creed led by Orlando native Scott Sapp. I think he's down here in this area somewhere. I don't know. Look, hey, look, I was, actually, I was actually living in a retirement home down there. Right? No, yeah, he might, he might be. He's not look, doing hey, much these days. hey, look, I was, I was a wrestling fan in the late '80s and early, or late '80s. Well, I was, but you know, when I was a little kid. But late '90s, early 2000s, I enjoy Creed a little bit. Come on, you have to. I mean, it's just it's it's synonymous with wrestling music at times. So they, they've oh, used of a course. few of them before. Come on, the now. raw promos. Let's, yeah, exactly, exactly. Raw promos, and then are I, you yeah, ready? I mean, come on, yeah. that was great. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, yo, hey, I don't. <laughs> I might lose all credibility here because I'm praising Creed right now. But tell me a better, just like, like, just get you in the just pumped up type of song than "What If." That that's a great. Now that that's just a hard rock, just like, ugh, you, know? you know. But hey, all the again. people that are gonna rag on Creed, rag on Creed. I know everybody almost. Three quarters of my high school had that album when it came. Yeah, out. well, uh, come on, man. And everybody you know what? blasted it, and everybody it, loved it, and it was, 
it, to me, I don't know. People can rag on it all they want to, but you know what? When it was when it was happening, you loved every minute. Oh, of, it. of course, man. Of course, I don't. I don't care if it's like they're like super Christian or what. I don't, I don't really care. You know, I, I just I just really get into the you know the music that how you know just how it felt. And hey, look, I enjoyed it. I bought the CD, so there it is. There it goes, folks. I'm throwing it out there because too many people that know me personally, at least from my you know younger days, know that I was a fan. So guess what? I was a fan. Judge me all you want. I don't care. I enjoyed it. So, again, I'm glad I was able to work Creed in there. And it's thanks to me mishearing what you said because I, I thought you said with arms wide open. So, <laughs> immediately in my head, that's, that's where I went. So, with arms wide open. See, I can't even help it. And everyone, you got to be able to do the voice. you gotta you got to get that little, like, you know, it's like a, it's like a cheap, uh, it, it's like a, Half-priced Eddie Vedder, you know? Yep, just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Poor man's Eddie Vedder. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> again, before we go talk about Creed for two hours and the trials and tribulations and, and Alter Bridge and everything that came after it and the awful throat surgery that ruined his voice for a couple of years, we'll, we'll, we won't get into that. And, again, I just kind of showed how much I know about that band. So, <laughs> again, <laughs> I was not lying when I said I was a fan. Um, but, but, we're not talking about Creed, we're talking about the Patriots, and we're talking about, we're, say, we're talking about practice, we're talking, we're talking about practice, no, world not, practices, not no, we, we, we actually were, we actually were talking about practice, now that I'm talking, thinking about Yeah, we were, we were talking yeah, about, yeah, we, are. we were talking about practice, to practice today, so, returning yeah. to practice, not coming back to practice. Practice, practice, practice. This week is going to be a practice game for the Patriots. Um, <laughs> again, I can say this because I'm not on the team, and they're certainly not taking it uh, or viewing it as such, uh, but I am. I, I think this t Titans team has is, is underwhelmed me personally. Um, I think as much as I love Logan Ryan, I think Malcolm Butler is going to get torched. I think this offense has been... Um, Moving pretty well. I think they, they have their moments where they kind of stall out sometimes. But, again, I think a lot of that is they, they're just, they've been transitioning all season from no, no Julian Edelman to every other game, no Gronk to working in Josh Gordon to finding a role for Chris Hogan and, and, and Philip Dorsett, who made an appearance this past week. So I, I think this, this offense is, is a work in progress. I think just as it does most years, I think this bye week is, is, is coming at the perfect time. And if they can go in uh, for the final six games, and at 8-2 and two with you know games against Pittsburgh and Minnesota, probably the two toughest games left on the schedule, I think you're, you're in pretty good shape. And you come back after the bye week, you have Sony Michelle healthy, you have Rob Gronkowski healthy, you know, assume maybe Rex Burkhead gets out there, you know, Cordero Patterson is more comfortable in his role. Josh Gordon is lighting it up. You, you got a you got a pretty good team going for the home stretch, and uh, I think that's how we look at every season. It's not about you know week to week. You know, it's about reaching certain points in the season and evaluating where this team is at. And I think right now everything is trending up. You know, I I, I can't see an area on this team where there isn't some you know, panic in terms of concern. Like, yeah, there's certain areas that they have to work on, but you see, you see that happening. You see that working themselves out. I think this team is right where they are each and every year at this point. And uh, you know what? <laughs> Ho hum! It's just another year in New England. 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I I do think you're right. I mean, in terms of saying it's a practice game, I don't know if I'd quite go that far. <laughs> but uh, listen, no question about it. The Patriots are averaging 35.5 points per game over the last six weeks. That's a real juggernaut of an offense uh, that's coming in here uh, to Tennessee uh, with a team that does have the number one you know scoring defense in the in the league. But that defense has yet to face an offense that is as potent as a Tom Brady-led offense with Josh Gordon, with Cordero Patterson, with Julian Edelman, and all of the weapons that they bring to the table. Uh, indications are that Sony Michelle may actually go this week. So if you bring in all of those weapons, I think all of a sudden the Titans' defense takes on a whole new... Um, just a whole new persona, uh, in my opinion. I think the defense of the Titans will do some things to slow New England down a little bit, but I don't think it's enough for their offense to keep up. I think that the Patriots do take this game pretty well running away, uh, unless they just come in and they're completely flat. Uh, if the Patriots do not play their game, uh, if they're sloppy with the ball, or if they do overlook this game looking into the bye week, which is very uncharacteristic of a Bill Belichick team, especially this late in the season... I think I'd be more worried about them playing the Titans if this were in September as opposed to now. I think the Patriots are hitting their stride. I think if this is going to be back in September, I think then you're looking at a situation where they might be able to catch them off guard. Very similar to what the Lions did earlier this year, mm -hmm. the Patriots on their heels. Um, I think they're starting to click on all cylinders. So I, I don't see the Patriots losing this game, like I said, unless they either come in flat or unless there's, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances and they're just sloppy with the ball. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're talking about the Patriots having to beat themselves, and how often do they beat themselves? They don't. You know, and, and I think we're, it, 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 you look at a team, and I think, I think you made a great point, you know, playing Titans early in the season, yeah, that's a team that can get you. You know, and as we've seen with the Patriots, September is kind of a bit of a crapshoot. They're not going to lose to terrible teams, but they'll lose to mediocre teams. And you can see that happen from time to time. And, and again, you know, we saw it, like you said, with the Lions game. Season was over. Uh, Brady was done. Penalty, you know, team was in decline. You know, the, the people in the front office, everyone was fighting. And what have they done? They've won six in a row. So, and all of a sudden, that's way behind. You know, this team's offense is rolling. They've scored over 30 points in five of the last six games. Uh, the defense has allowed, what, 20 three points in the last two games, um, only 17 against an Aaron Rodgers-led uh, Packers offense. So, again, this this team is, is running on, uh, you know, heading in the right direction. You know, they're getting the bye week at the right time. Just, you know, they have two two big games left and the Miami game. You know, that we're 50-50. Whatever, you know, whatever happens in Miami, I just, I never take into account in the totality of the season. It's just, it's a crapshoot in Miami. I, it doesn't, one way or the other just doesn't affect how I view this team. They could blow them out or they could lose by being blown out and it just wouldn't change anything. So in, rea in reality, the two big games, Pittsburgh, um, Minnesota, and then outside of the Patriots, it's Kansas City and the Rams because now with the Rams losing, you know, you got those two teams. They both have one loss, and, of course, the Patriots have the tiebreaker. So you want to see Kansas City lose at least one more game so the Patriots have a chance to tie that record and take that number one overall seed, and everything will be right in the world. So um, 
I think we've, uh, let me check, we, we said we we're going to go about 45 minutes to an hour, and we were at one hour and 45 minutes, so whoever, <laughs> got, the, whoever got the memo kind of confused a little bit. So uh, we are going to wrap it up here, because we, we have spent a lot of time talking about this wonderful team, and I sure, I'm sure we both want to hop on. We're recording this during uh, Thursday Night Football, so why not go hop over and check that out. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think we both have the Patriots winning. I don't have a score. I'll, you know, we'll give one uh, if we end up going on on the air on Sunday. We will give our scores then. But you know, we'll just say we both expect them to win this game. They should win this game. Um, it should be a, a pretty business as usual type game for the Patriots. And then we will uh, take two weeks off, and or the Patriots will take two weeks off and uh, get right back at it and get ready to uh, hopefully win the. <laughs> know maybe nine of the next uh, nine games so we'll see uh so yeah any closing thoughts mike before we we shut it down for the night and uh you know kick our feet up and relax no i think that's pretty much it i think that uh you know heading into uh to this game like we said it's just it's a matter of them protecting the ball taking care and playing their game if they do that i don't see a way that they lose this game on sunday heading into the bye week obviously is a big you know a big load for this team to get off their chest be able to rest some guys get some people healthy uh make a strong stretch run they've got some big divisional games coming up including a couple of big games one against uh, uh the vikings the other against the steelers that are going to be pretty tall tests and really i think uh playoff caliber matchups uh very late in the season so some great Great things coming on the horizon, but uh, you know the New England Patriots are right where they usually are at this time, and we'll see what they're made of down the stretch. But uh, I think this team has the stuff to be able to compete with the best teams in the league and be- belong right up at, at, at the top in the discussion for best team in the league right now. Absolutely, and uh, in the discussion for uh, best New England Patriots uh, writer in Rhode Island is Mike Debate, and you can find him on Twitter if you want to follow him and all his great insights. It's at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Uh, that was nice, right, Mike? I, I, I came up with that right off the top of my head. Mr. Rhode Island, that was, everyone. That was incredible. Mike that, was, that really you, was. I really you. appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. What, what, what can I say? What can I say? And, of course, you know, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at I-G-L-E-N-31. And um, with that, we would like to say thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have a great night. And always remember that the only thing that makes Aaron Rodgers better than Brady is what ifs. Have a good night, everyone. (laughs) 